What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K, and with me on this humid Thursday afternoon, Chris. Oh my <laughs> God, the Chicago heat is overwhelming me. Chris Pennett, how are you doing today, sir? I love it, man. The cicadas are out. The cicadas are out. The cicadas are out. This is when you find out. I, I really want to say this is when you find out who are the real Chicagoans because we're used to this. Now, to be fair, uh, global warming is real, so none of us are really used to this. But I was born in the heat wave in 1988, so this is my kind of weather right here. Um, as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go for a bike ride around the neighborhood. I wish I had your energy, Chris. I wish I had your energy. This heat is overwhelming me. I can't take it. But honestly, I'm just excited that we have Chicago Sky Basketball but before we actually get into this episode, we have an exciting opportunity for our listeners of the Skyhook podcast. Like we mentioned in our last episode, we have partnered with TickPick the rest of the season. And that means you can win free tickets to see your Chicago Sky by following two very simple steps. One, follow the Skyhook podcast and TickPick on Twitter. And two, retweet our pin tweet on our page with these instructions and tag a friend that's all you got to do. That's it. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy WNBA tickets because they save fans by never charging any service fees. And they have saved their users over $55 million and counting. Download the Tick Pick app today and start saving on all of your purchases to live events. Chris, like I said, it's been two weeks since our last pod and so much has gone down in Sky Town, man. Seriously, the the Sky have gone two and two since coming back from the Olympic break with wins against the shorthanded Seattle Storm and Atlanta Dream while they suffered losses to the Wings and Lynx. Just, I want to hear your general thoughts on this one, Chris, because I have a lot of them. Where, where do you think this team is at right now? What's your confidence level with the playoffs only being eight games away? The Sky have to get on a run. They're, they're a team that needs momentum going into the playoffs. Right now, uh, as if, I, if I check the standings correctly, they're in the sixth spot, which means they're going to be not only in that round of, of playoff you know, one-and-done games, they're very close to the first round, which means they would have to go through two of those single elimination games just to make it to a traditional playoff round. And we've watched this team all season. They are inconsistent in the, in the second half, especially. And that's something that you, you know, basically that spells doom if you're in a, a winner go home type scenario and you, you step in quicksand again. They, they need momentum on these last eight games and they've got tough teams to play. They've got to play Las Vegas twice. And it's not something where they have to win all eight just to keep their, you know, make sure their playoff hopes are alive. But this is not the team that people lionized at the beginning of the year uh, that we thought was going to be a championship contender. This is a team that's fighting to basically carve out a place in the playoff picture. As disconcerting at best and disconsolate at worst. And other words that begin with this, you know, it. <laughs> It's not what we expected. I think that's the worst part. With the, with the Candace Parker injury and the way that they looked better when she came back, I think there was an expectation that they would be a, a dark horse kind of team who was better than their record. 
and and to some degree that's true. Just by Pythagorean win loss, they're two games better than their twelve and twelve record. But we we know what the sky are. They they're inconsistent, and they've been fighting. They've been fighting that all season long. They have. I think there has to be some level of concern just seeing where this team is at. I understand that Candace Parker being injured for one game, especially that you're going to lose some of your defensive upside, the way that she protects the rim, just with her patience and how much this team fouls. I mean, you saw it in that game against the Lynx where the Lynx went to the line. Yeah. 33 times against the sky and you, you just immediately felt Candace Parker's defensive presence being absent there. I think it's deeper than that, though. This team on offense is worrying me quite a bit, and they made the right move by putting Ellie Quigley into the starting lineup. This is something that we saw in the game right before the Olympic break in the last in the, like, in the last like few minutes of that game where they brought Ali in and they ran out of lineup of salute, Ali, Kalia, Z and Candice. And th- that is something that I think we're going to be seeing the rest of the way. And that's what we've seen in these last four games. I'm worried about this team having to play Ali quickly, 35 minutes a game. She's played 35 minutes in the last two games. And, you know, the sky are still sixth in net rating in the last four games. They've, their 10th in defensive rating. It's something that James Wade coming out of the break was saying that we're going to refocus on the defensive end and it hasn't quite happened yet. And again, missing Candace Parker and the link scoring 101 points is going to contribute to that, obviously. But I'm a little bit worried about this team. Um, I don't think it's as simple as just saying that this isn't a team that's going to blow out other teams and that they they just feed off the momentum and like the flow of the game. I don't buy that. There was someone I was tweeting back and forth with on Twitter who said that. And I, I don't understand how you can have that mindset when you just look at how this team struggles to score in the half court. And they're six in the league in the last four games with they're shooting 30.2% from three, but I did the math and without Ali Quigley's production from three point range, they're shooting 25.8% three point range. When you consider that this team is only getting to the line 14 times a game, I'm a little bit concerned. I think that we have, with eight games left, you have to prove something that you can be a formidable opponent in the playoffs and that winning isn't an on and off switch. I think that's kind of, and do you feel that just like that this team kind of needs to start clicking before the playoffs start and you can't just be, Hey, down the line, we're going to figure it out and hope um, and cross our fingers that everything's going to piece itself together. No, of course not. Um, like I said before, they, they have eight games to get on a run and they need to win um, a majority of those games. I don't think that they can go four and four and feel good going into the postseason. And you're exactly right. You're, you're right on the nail with the analysis of three-point shooting. This guy cannot get to the line often enough to win if they're not shooting threes at a, at a good clip. Uh, and and Allie's always going to be their their marksman, their markswoman, I should say. And Courtney Vandersloot has picked back up from a mm-hmm. year, I think, last year, where she was not her usual self shooting threes. But you need you're you're relying on on players who don't hit a good amount, who who don't hit a high percentage of of three point shots, to you know hit to a game. Kalia's not a Kalia's not a, a fantastic three-point shooter. She can hit them. 
but you're not looking for her to take four a game and hit two. You're not necessarily looking for Candace Parker to take four a game and hit two. Um, so, and you can't just rely on, on Allie to bail you out like she nearly did against uh, Dallas. Mm-hmm. But they have to figure out ways to get um, either better quality shots or utilize those players in their offense who can get to the foul line. Mm-hmm. They, they actually were better at, um, had a better free throw rate in their last game against Atlanta, but they still only took 14 foul shots. They just held Atlanta to nine. And Atlanta was super banged up that game as well. Like when you're loot, when you are without Kennedy Carter and Tiffany Hayes for most of that game, I mean, Tiffany Hayes played a little bit, but she, again, was also dealing with some injuries and didn't look like the, excuse me. She didn't look like the same player that she, that scored like over 20 points against the sky and their, in the loss against the dream earlier this season. And when you face a dream team, that's banged up and the front court, is also in mean, the Cheyenne Parker didn't play. She's out for the rest of the season because she recently gave birth. And when you have an Atlanta dream team that has limited front court depth and you're a team that has Candace Parker, a stew do fall as Stevens, Ruthie Hebert. I just feel that this game should have been blown out way before that it was in the fourth quarter. It doesn't, you got to be able to have these, wins that you can look back on and be like, okay, that was the turning point for us. I thought against Minnesota earlier this season, not the most recent game, but the one where the sky looked like the, one of the best teams in the WNBA and they blew in Minnesota out by like 18 points. I thought you could point back to that game and be like, that's the team. That's our upside. That's our ceiling. And you should be proud of that game. I like the, the Chicago sky should be proud of that game. But when you look at this Atlanta dream game, it's like you should have pummeled them a little bit more. If you're going to be a legit playoff team, you got to have these moments where you look like it. And it just hasn't felt that way at all during this stretch. And I think one of the biggest things though, like we kind of already talked about is just having Ali Quigley come in and taking diamond off. One of the biggest things that stood out to me in the box score last game was diamond only played 11 minutes and 58 seconds. And I really thought she hit a turning point against Seattle in the, again, just coming out of the Olympic break where she had to shoulder a little bit of the offense. And I think she scored like 13 points and she got to the free throw line a few times. I really thought, okay, you know what? This is an empowering moment for diamond. And hopefully that this is something that she can kind of build off of. Even if it wasn't that spectacular, (coughs) excuse me, that spectacular of a game, and since then, I mean, the the numbers are just a little bit concerning. With I mean, the sky's net rating with Diamond on the court is minus six point uh, is minus six point zero, and with the sky's net rating with her off the court is it's eight point six. That is just a little bit concerning when you just think about how much the sky were going to rely on her going into this season, and we've kind of seen her kind of fall off a little bit, and that's kind of why we've seen Allie Quigley regain her spot in the starting lineup. Yeah, there's no two ways around it. It's it's been a year of regression, which is really unfortunate. We we really we talked about it at the beginning of the season. We wanted to see uh, where Diamond was, how she would um, fit in, coming off of injury, having rehabbed, 
Um, we wanted to see how she would look, but there was there's so much about how the sky could be, you know, no pun intended, the sky could be the limit for her. Remember the the infamous, you know, she could be the fourth best option on this team, um, knowing how much of upside she had, all the things that we'd seen from her. And that was why I know that you and uh, Arya and so many other people were very high on their chances because when a healthy 100% diamond to shields is the fourth scoring option in your, in your uh, roster, you know, what team there's very few teams that can compete with that, but she's like I said, we, we, she's regressed this season. She still is trying to find her, her jump shooting touch when she does get to the lane, especially when she gets on fast breaks, she's making the right decisions. Um, that play that she had the other night, I believe against Minnesota in mm-hmm. the fast break, um, was, was light, light years away from a play a couple of weeks earlier, I think, that she took an offensive foul on. I, it might have been the last game before the break, before the Olympic break. And, you know, she looked unsure of what to do in that situation. That play against Minnesota was was the diamond we've come to expect. It's it's a move that very few players in the league could make, going with the wraparound behind the back, um, euro step to the middle of the lane, and then laying up over the over the smaller opponent. That's an incredible move. That is the diamond that we have come to expect to see on the court and love to see on the court, but it hasn't been there consistently. It's you know it's been flashes. And just going back to what the Sky starting lineup was before, when again they had Courtney Vandersloot, Diamond Shields, Kalia Copper, Stephanie Dolson, and Candace Parker. I think when you look at the four of those players outside of Diamond, you can just you know what their roles are on the basketball court at all times. You know Courtney is going to try to find get her teammates open. You know that Kalia is going to be a freight train coming down the <laughs> coming down the lane, and she's going to get to the line. You know, you know what you're getting from her and just be again, she's a transition scorer who's going to get you to the free throw line when you when you're in your half court sets with Candace. She's a rim protecting big who is going to like she is a secondary facilitator and will get you a bucket down low and her and Slew have a great chem like they have great chemistry in the pick and roll right now. You know what you're getting like again, you can point to that thing and say that that is what Candace Parker is going to do for me. And Steph is, again, a pick-and-pop option who is going to set screens for you. Again, she frees up Allie Quigley. One of the things that we saw is that Steph Dolson moved to the bench and her and Allie were coming in at the same time, and Steph was freeing Allie up because she's one of the best screeners in the league. When I look at Diamond, you kind of don't really know what her role is right now, right, where you want her to be that player who can, again, just blow you away in transition like we saw against the Lynx and that awesome play that made the sports centers top 10. But at the same time, I don't, I just don't know what else, like where you can point to diamond and say, this is what you're like, this is what your role is in this offense. I think for her, that's gotta be incredibly frustrating. I think it's also, you gotta say that it's admirable for her to just take this, you know, I don't even want to say backseat, but like for someone who is as confident as her, someone who has had success in this league already, it's admirable that she has been able to accept this role a little bit, but we just needed to see a little bit more success from her for this team to feel better about where this team is at, if that makes sense. Yeah. She's almost been a defensive specialist, Yeah, but your starting shooting guard 
with her skill set can't just be a defensive specialist. It's it's got to come from isolation plays where she can reliably hit a jump shot. And, and you know, there there are things like when we talked to Annie uh, Annie Costable earlier in the season, she said that Diamond was focused on being an all around player, and that included playmaking. And she mm-hmm. had that beautiful pass inside to. I believe it was a Stu or as or as Ray Stevens yeah. the other night too, and that's something that we might not have expected from Diamond uh, previously in 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 previous seasons either. But we just—it's something that you have to have, I think, for the Sky to be successful. She has to score. She has to be a twelve or fourteen points per game type scorer. You're not going to reliably get that from Azrae Stevens at the moment. Um, you can't count on that from Ruthie or a Stu. And like you said, unless they, they, I think they're going to lean on Allie in the playoffs. I think she's going to be playing 35 minutes a game, no matter what, because she's been the most consistent um, scorer that they have. And she is their reliable three point threat. So unless she gets in foul trouble, she's going to be out there for a majority of the time. They're going to push it, but you want to have diamond spell some of those, either spell some of those minutes or, put so much pressure on the opposing team's defense that it makes Allie even more dangerous. Yeah. And the thing is, we're not even trying to beat up on diamond here a little bit. It's just, this is a tough position for her. This is a tough position for James Wade having to, you don't want to like, you know, diamonds, a young, she's 25. She's a young player in this league. You don't want to devastate her confidence by moving her to a different role either and expect you don't want to expect too much from her. Um, and I, it's a really tough position. It's something that we're, we're going to be monitoring as we, after this season, when she's a restricted free agent, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, but until then they do need more from her. She can't be shooting 38% from the field. I mean, she's also shooting 28.4% from three after she was shooting close to like 37% at the beginning of the season. It's just, yeah, they, they just need a little bit more. They just need a little bit more from her. And I'm, honestly, I'm not going to be shocked if it happens. I'm really not. She's someone who's very talented. And in that first quarter against the Lynx, again, when she had that, what was it, that that play in transition where, again, that made SportsCenter's top 10. And she had yeah. to play to a stew, like you had mentioned. Like, she, she, she makes special plays. So again, I'm not going to be surprised when – something opens up for her and like when her game opens up and she's able to develop into a player that again, that we expect her to be, but right now they just need more from her. And I think that if she was on this call with us right now, she would be saying the same thing, but, but Chris, we have to talk about what Courtney Vandersloot was able to accomplish since she came back from the Olympic break, because she is entering territory that only three other players in WNBA history have gone to before it's kind of crazy that we're once again talking about another milestone for Sloot when she is what 34 years young I mean this is we're talking about rare air here but um do you want to remind people of this the great people of the skyhook about our ticket giveaway before we head into that most definitely uh, like we've mentioned last episode and earlier this episode we have partnered with tick pick for the rest of the season And that means you can win free tickets to see your Chicago Sky by following two very simple steps. Number one, follow the Skyhook podcast at Skyhookin' on Twitter and TickPick at TickPick on Twitter 
And two, repeat our pinned tweet with these instructions and tag a friend. That's it. TickPick should be your first choice to buy WNBA tickets because they save fans by never charging any service fees ever, and they have saved their users over $55 million and counting. Download the TickPick app today and start saving on all of your purchases to live events. James, we've there's only a few games left. We're talking about there's eight games left in the season, but there are more games this season at Wintrust. There's the big game on September 5th against the Aces. That's part of our giveaway. So if you are unlucky and you don't win those free tickets, want to go on TickPick, buy, buy those seats and see the Chicago sky in action before the playoffs start. You got to do it. You got to do it. And again, you're about to see not just one of the best WNBA rivalries that we've seen the last couple of years, but you get to see one of the greatest facilitators in basketball history run up and down the floor. Honestly, man, the, the, the way that Sloot runs the offense has just been, I, when I see stats like this, and again, let me just go into that again, Courtney Vandersloot joined Sue Bird, Lindsay Whalen, and Diana Taurasi is the fourth player in WNBA history with at least 3000 points, 2000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds, and she's the fastest to ever do it. And she only did it in 318 games, according to Across the Timeline. I mean, that is special, man. When, you, when you're when you in a group with Sue Bird, Lindsay Whalen, and Diana Taurasi, I mean, one of the things that I'm, I've been guilty of, too, I've only called Courtney Vandersloot one of the greatest facilitators in basketball history. I think one of the things that we've got to start pushing here I think it's just a fact now that Courtney Vandersloot is just one of the greatest WNBA players to ever play in this league. And that's not something that I hear often. And I think we have to start talking about her in this respect, because to be in that group, I mean, there's not going to be a ton of players in this league that are going to get there. Um, at least I don't know who is on the way up and who's the next potential player to like, again, join this group of incredible women, but just whenever you watch Sloot, you're you're gonna get something good. And yeah, Chris, like, do you have any like favorite Courtney Vandersloot moments that you can share with us too? Because I, I there's like so many I could think of off the top of my head, but I honestly I feel desensitized at this point where I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, Courtney just put up a casual double double at this point. Like, is there anything that's just stood out to you about even this season? Like, give me give me something here. Is there anything that uh, she's done this season or just outside of it that is just um, impressed you that we haven't really talked about in the show my favorite courtney moment is always going to be after the sky sealed the win their first win against uh washington since the uh, elena della dunn trade they were at home everybody in the building knew what that game meant and even though the team downplayed it uh before the game after the game in the pro in the post-game presser you just slew turned to the crowd and just you know, waved her arms up and down, like, get up, get up, get up. Y'all got to get up. And that was, that was amazing because it was something that had hung over their heads before James Wade came there, that they had this franchise altering player and couldn't keep her, you know, for varying reasons. They could not keep Elena and they could not beat the Mystics once Elena went there. And so for them to win that game with Elena on the floor at home in front of their fans, she felt that. And, and you know, there's, I think the first time I came and started watching these games, 
there was this tendency for me to think of Courtney as a very low key player who was always looking to distribute, would do all these amazing things, hit, you know, hit, um, hit timely shots, lull the defense to sleep, and then just come off of a, a fake handoff and, and go to the rim faster than anybody could pick her up. That's probably my favorite thing that she does on a consistent basis. The Courtney Vandersloot, uh, rock the baby to sleep play where she just drives to the rim when you expect she's going to give the ball up and gets a layup that she shouldn't get because everybody's expecting her to pass. That is my favorite play year in, year out. But seeing her in that moment, uh, that really spells the type of player that she is. She's joyous. She wants the team to win um, at almost all costs. And and she, there were there were a few plays where she like she, you know, she was jumping into players' arms. She was so ex- she was so hype when the sky made big plays that twenty nineteen season. But that one will always stand out to me. That one will always stand out. Yeah. No. A hundred percent, man. And. You know, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this up, other than it's just a notable storyline that had come up over these last four games, I don't think the Chicago Sky have any players' numbers retired. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I think Courtney and Allie are probably going to be the first two to have their numbers retired. And you know, the, you get into that mindset when you see stats like this where, you're like, okay, not only where do they rank amongst, you know, the best facilitators in – WNBA history or whatever, like whatever player, like where they ranked in WNBA history, you just think about like, okay, like what is it going to look like after their career is done? And yeah, I just thought about it. Like the sky don't have any retired numbers. I don't believe, and maybe I'm mistaken, but since they came to the, you know, joined this league in 2007 and she joined the team in 2011, that they, <laughs> most of their superstars have left um, that, you know, they don't have any retired numbers. I think that, Courtney and Allie are probably going to be the first two to see their numbers raised in the rafters. You know what I mean? I don't doubt it. And it, it's well-deserved. Uh, Courtney's played her entire career here. Um, Allie's the franchise leader in, in points scored. And it, it's wild because I think the Sky need that permanence. The Sky need that permanence that these two players have offered. Uh, not only are they kind of the standard bearer for so many of the so many of the team's fans your point guard and your shooting guard are married to each other that's something that so literally cool. this fan base can always look to as just like that's that's so like, like you said it's so cool it's it's like the dream for a lot of people you're working together with the person you've chosen as your teammate but yeah. also the sky have had swin cash sylvia fowles uh, epiphany prince Cappy Pondexter, Elena Della Dunn, all these players who are WNBA, you know, if not legends, Sylvia Fowles is a legend, but not all of those players I mentioned are necessarily legends, right? But they're known names. You talk, you talk to people who are even just, you know, basketball fans, and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember Swing Cash. You know, I was <laughs> like, yeah, hell yeah. And none of those players had a long-lasting, you know, the time with Chicago other than, than Syl and, and Elena really. And, you know, Syl left so messily that it's, it's a weird time for fans to remember. So those, those players 
you know, at some point, maybe it's like you get welcomed back. People are never going to forget the impact they had. But those players aren't Chicago Sky players as much as Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot are. They're just important to the Chicago basketball landscape at this point. And yeah, just don't take them for granted. You know, this is a very special tandem for a lot of reasons, but even just looking at it on the court, what they, what they've been able to do together, it's just something that you won't see in other sports and in basketball in general, this is something that is super special and we get to see it for another year. I mean, we've, we've been able to see it for this season and it's just always a pleasure to be able to watch those two play. But Chris, let's wrap this one up. We have one more game against the Seattle storm tomorrow for the sky. They are going against this time. They're going to be going against Brianna Stewart and Sue bird, who were both absent in that first matchup since the Olympic break on um, the first go around here. Who do you have? Do you, how do you like with the sky matching up against the storm now that they have Sue bird and Stewart back? It's, it's going to be tough for them to win one of these two. They, they've got a wraparound series in Seattle and you know, as, as I've been saying it, to, to echo Randy Quaid in Independence Day after all the cities get destroyed, I've been saying it. I've been saying it all year long. This is the best team in the league with the best player in the league, with the best offense and defense, um, you know, combined in the league, even if the numbers don't bear it out. Seattle on a good day can beat a lot of teams on their best day. And the Sky have to be on their best day for both of these. They, they eked out a win because Jewel Lloyd went – went Nova, if not Supernova, and the game in Chicago coming out of the break. And it was a hell of a win for the Sky. But it's going to be tough to overwhelm um, the storm with Brianna Stewart, especially twice. And like we said, like I said, these are games that the Sky need to win. They only really have one throwaway game, and that's to close the season at Indiana. So you got to win one of these two. It can be done. Brianna Stewart has had a couple of duds this season, which is unlike her. I mean, everybody goes through one or two bad games probably over the course of a year and you can forgive her you can forgive any player that has to pull uh u.s duty overseas duty coming off of an injury like she has but it, i think if we're talking about things that diamond can do that's a game where i that's a game or games where i would not be surprised to have diamond sacrifice scoring for defense and it's a matchup where she's coming in with the physical disadvantage but I, I, one, one last thing to point out, the Sky are eight and four on the road mm-hmm. and they are 12 and 12 overall. So they've had a lot of success away from home. I think they win one. I'm going to be, I'm going to be optimistic. I think they win one of those games. Um, if not tomorrow night, then Sunday. And if not uh, Sunday, then they win tomorrow night. I'm with you. I think they take one of these games. They've been one of the better W like, better teams on the road. And I don't think we're going to see another Ezzy Magbagor performance, like where she scored 21 points last game against the sky. I do think that Candace, I think they're going to bring it on the road. And I think they do realize that like, okay, we have to step up in this moment. And I think being able to have Ezra Stevens back as well. And she's been up and down, but she did play well against the storm in the last game and she didn't score a lot, but what she did on the defensive end, she ended up actually having a plus 15 uh, plus or like plus or minus. So um, yeah, no, I, I think that this team is well equipped to beat the storm. And 
honestly, I think it's going to just come down to the secondary players coming off of the bench for the Seattle storm. Like if we, they, if we get another game where epiphany Prince hits three threes or Mercedes Russell is able to just dominate the defensive glass. Okay. I, I, you can obviously make a case for the Seattle storm team, but if, if they're, if outside of Stewie, um, Sue bird and Jewel Lloyd, if all three of the, if they only get anything else from those three players, I have a hard time seeing that the storm are going to sweep the sky um, in the, in this, like during this road trip. So I'm with you. And, but you know, Chris, that's about it for us right now. Again, we just want to do one more quick plug-in for this Chicago sky tick pick giveaway, man. You take advantage of this. It's so easy to be able to enter this giveaway and you can find all the information you need to enter the giveaway by going to our Twitter page. Our handle is at skyhookin and feel free to reach out to us as well. Our handle, our mailbag is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. But Chris, this was been, I'm glad that we were able to ju- jump back on the mic. Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap this up? Eight games left, folks. Thanks for tuning in to us. Make sure you tune into the games and catch all the great analysis afterwards with James and I here on the Skyhook Podcast. Do it. Your mom will thank you. (laughs) She will. I know that for a fact. She will. So thank you for joining us for this edition of the Skyhook. And until next time.